Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Sunday evening. Joining us from New York City, where he's apparently grown a beard, Tim Bonteps. Still the remnants of my vacation. By the way, I was with my wife, the great Kay Bond today, who suddenly became a very invested Kansas City Chiefs fan. I'm sure nobody can guess why. I saw that Adam Schefter's, and I don't know who tweeted it first, but I saw Adam Schefter's tweet about Taylor Swift. I don't know if it had a if it had a photo or whatever, but it had like 4 million views in like 35 minutes. I don't even know if the chiefs won today. I know the Dolphins scored 70 points. It was the most in the NFL since 66. The chiefs, the chiefs won 41 to three. I was going to say, here's a hand, but played six. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I got it. They won by a lot and Taylor had a lot to cheer about. Let's put it. Okay. All right. Listen, our boy, 9.2 million. It says now Jackson. As, as of uh, 1030 Eastern on Sunday night. Listen, our guys from Cleveland, Rich Paul's with Adele. Travis Kelsey is with Taylor Swift. What do you want me to say? Cleveland boys. What do you want me to say, right? Yes. Very, very desirable. It's all about Northeast Ohio, as we know. That's correct. Right. Absolutely. I'm glad you understand it. I don't know if you heard Ryan Day on Saturday night, but it's Ohio against everybody. Nothing's ever oh, I sure, Ohio State. I play. sure did. One of the most ridiculous post-game interviews in the history of <clears throat> humankind. Joining us from Dallas, Texas, Van McMahon. Howdy, partners. Wendy, did you see how many receiving yards that Travis Kelsey had today? I didn't. Oh, it was a nice number. It was a nice number. (laughs) All right. Well, I could say other things right now, but I will not. Not a good day for Dallas Cowboys football either. Rough Sunday. Oh, well. So it was about a year ago this week. Maybe I'm off by a hair. It was about a year ago this week that Mark Spears came on this podcast and with conviction mm-hmm. said the Sacramento Kings are making the playoffs. By the way, we've been trying to get Spears on, but the man made the Hall of Fame and he's traveling around. He's hard to pin down. He's got a lot well, listen, going on. You make a prediction like that, that seals your Hall of Fame fate. <laughs> In all honesty, it, that's exactly the, the way it happened. He made that, the prediction. The Kings are off to a great start. He was named to the Hall of Fame. The, I can't deny that sequence of events. Mm-hmm. And then I remember they started the year off a little rough, maybe like one in four-ish. And I gave Spears the opportunity to wiggle out of that, and he doubled down. Mm-hmm. He quadrupled down. That, he quadrupled down. And, and he made it very clear, not the play-in. The play oh, yeah. And From the jump. Then there were a three-seed. It wasn't. And it, they didn't sweat it down the stretch. They didn't get the first round, but they were a convincing quality playoff team, just like the man predicted. So we asked the question this season, who's going boom like the Kings and who's going bust like the Dallas Mavericks, I guess we would say, a team that was going to maybe make the playoffs we don't expect and a team that misses the playoffs that we don't expect. I'm not going to put you guys on the on the uh play-in thing i'll say if you make the play-in i'll give you i'll give no, you no, that no. one actually bullcrap no because no we, we, we gotta say the top eight, eight. Yeah. yeah we gotta say top the top eight, eight. that's some okay top eight fine top eight um okay bon temps you can start uh you have a we'll start with the with the booms who do you think uh if there's a team out there you think's got a shot maybe not to repeat the king's rise but could surprise and squeak into that top eight in either conference I mean, I feel like I should just say the Thunder just because I've been Somebody has driving, to. driving yeah. the bandwagon on Che. I suspect that might have been what you were going to say, McMahon. 
Yeah, I mean, that to me is the easy one. And not just when you talk about like, uh, I, honestly, I don't think it's a surprise if they make the playoffs, but I'm talking about a team that can make a significant leap. Uh, they are clearly the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, that, certainly. I'll, we, we'll get into them when, when you come up with them. I'll, I'll just give somebody else so we get started something different. We talked a lot about Tyrese Albert in this summer. Obviously played really well with Team USA. I'm really intrigued by the Pacers. Got a really young, interesting team. Obi Toppin coming over is an interesting fit. Can really, they are going to fly up and down the court. It should be well suited to his skill set. And I just think Tyrese Alberton is emerging into a star. Benedict Matherin had a really impressive rookie year. You know, Buddy Heald is one of the best shooters in the league. We'll see what happens with him as the year goes on. I like Jarris Walker, their first round pick. He's a pretty intriguing. Uh, By the way, Buddy Heald being player. on the trade block is hardly. Well, every time Buddy, every time Buddy's contract is up, there's a lot of noise about Buddy's contract. So I, right. I think it's just safe to say this is this is what happens every couple of years. So there's been, well, there's been a lot of noise throughout the course of this contract. Lot, yes, traded on once. He he got traded once, and and we weren't even sure Indiana was going to keep him. That's yeah. right. So and there was all the stuff with the Lakers and everything else. So it, it, but I the Pacers to me are a really intriguing team. You've got a guy who could potentially be. A first or second, potentially all NBA type guard in Tyrese Albert, and certainly an all NBA caliber guard if he takes, especially another step forward. And you look at the East, there's a lot of question marks in the East. A lot of older teams, a lot of teams with potential injury issues. You know, let's see what happens. You know, does Miami make a trade? If not, they might take a little bit of a step back. You know, we'll see if the Knicks can keep up where they were last year. We'll see what happens with James Harden in Philly. We'll see what happens with the injury situation in both Boston and Milwaukee, two really talented but older teams. You know, who knows what's going on in Atlanta, Toronto and Chicago, all over the place for different reasons. You know, I'm I'm not saying Indiana's going to finish second in the East, but you look at those teams at the bottom, to me, Halliburton takes another jump this year. They're, they really go for it. You told me they're one of the top eight in the East. In April, I would not be surprised. Yeah, that that wouldn't shock me at all. You didn't mention Andrew Nimhard, who obviously he had a yeah. really, really good rookie season as well. And I think a lot of this is what are they going to end up being able to do with Heald? And I wonder if Heald's value in the trade market is more as an expiring contract than it mm -hmm. is an elite shooter. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't think... I just, I'm not. I don't know that they're going to be able to to get like significant draft capital for them. But is there a player who would fit well in Indiana that with the the new CBA and other teams trying to get off his contract? Uh, that that sort of a thing. Uh, that'll be interesting. And then Toppin's fit is going to be fascinating. Um, you know, obviously New York. He was kind of stuck in a spot where the, there was a pretty limited ceiling for him there. But I, I think that he's there's a chance that this could be a really good fit for him. You know, Miles Turner is a center who is capable of spacing the floor. You know, I could see them being a fit offensively. And then if you're running pick and roll uh, as a as an elite leaper and finisher, if you're running the pick and roll with Alberton, like there's probably going to be some some opportunities to eat there. So very curious to see how that uh, you know is is Top and Jess going to be kind of an energy quality bench player or this is his chance to prove that that he, in the right 
circumstances, he can be a lot more than that. Well, also didn't mention Bruce Brown. Mm-hmm. Big pickup for them gives them some defensive, obviously much much better defensive player on the perimeter. Should be a really good fit next to Tyrese for the Pacers. And to your point about the expire about the Buddy Hield's expiring contract, you got Buddy Hield making just under twenty. You got Daniel Tice with a team option for next year making nine. Yeah, T.J. McConnell with a non-guaranteed year next year making almost nine. So between those three guys, that's $38 million, you know, what? Yeah, somewhere in the mid-30s in expiring contracts. And they're a decent bit under the salary cap. So they got some flexibility um, to make a move and take on salary that way, potentially trade for a guy, renegotiate and extend them depending on where they're at. Um, money wise, so like they have a lot of flexibility to do a lot of stuff to add to this team. And given Tyrese Halliburton is going to be going into a max contract next summer, you know, they're still gonna have a lot of cap space if they just sit where they are around him now. But to your point, McMahon, they are a team that's got a lot of flexibility to do something if a guy pops up that they think fits with Halliburton long term. Here's the thing about Indiana they are trying to win. Some of these teams that are down in that zone, it's hard to predict what they're going to do. Like um, Detroit, I think will be very, will be much better this year because Kate Cunningham's going to be back. They traded for some veteran players, etc. I think they will be a lot better than a 17-win season. I don't know if they're totally ready to win yet. They had 18 Indiana. less wins than Indiana last year. And Indiana right. was 11th. So I, and right. even, I think they'll be better because Kate's there, but that's a long, right. Long exactly. But like Indiana, they didn't like, they kind of quasi tanked the last two years. They did it kind of under protest. They don't want to do it. They did it because they had to. And I think that they, the moves that they will make and the, and they will be geared. Like they finished 11th. Now they finished six games back at Toronto. There was no, um, drama on um, 10-11 like there was in the West last year. We knew the top 10 were going to be for weeks in the East. So it wasn't like they were right on Toronto's heels, but they finished 11. They don't have to crawl over you know, five teams. Mm-hmm. And if they make moves during the year, I think the moves will be to get better. Like They're not going to salary dump Buddy Heald. I'd be stunned if they do. It wouldn't yeah. follow along what they've been doing. If they make a Buddy Heald trade, it's going to be because they think it's going to get better. They're not going to do it for two second-round picks. They would rather have Buddy Heald on their roster and try to make the playoffs, even if he was grinding his teeth a little bit, as opposed to trading him for something that you know would help them, their asset base. So in addition to what all the points that you pointed out, I just think this team is going to be going for it. And if they finish 10th, if they literally only move one spot to get the play in and they're able to win you know, two games, they'll have a that'll be a, a successful season. They, they, that's what they're looking for, even though I'm sure their, astro- their, their aspirations are higher. Uh, okay. I, hold on. I got to yeah. look at the Pacers schedule because I got to figure out when they're coming to Dallas. And then I got to figure, <laughs> well, figure out if they're still invited to have shoot around at Buddy Her- uh, Buddy Heald's place in uh, in Dallas. He's got like a place with a real nice gym on the property. They had their shoot around there last year. I'm just not sure. That they're still going to be invited. Anyways, I'll, I'll I'll figure that out on my own time. Um, all righty. I mean, again, I'm going to go Captain Obvious here, and we're going to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder, who, uh, you know, were a playing team last year, so they made a jump into that, which basically was 
you know, got uh, another really good rookie in Jalen Williams and uh, decided not to tank. Um, they're getting the number two overall pick who just happens to plug, I think, their two biggest flaws. That's rim protection and perimeter shooting. Um, I, th- I think that the Thunder are pretty widely considered to be a likely playoff team this year. It's an interesting thing, though, because you've got Shea Gildas Alexander, who is a first-team All-NBA player, who's clearly good enough to be at least the best player on a contender. You know, you've got Giddy's been really good early in his career. Um, you know, Jalen Williams last year, rookie of the year runner-up. You know, Lou Dort is is, is a proven uh, quality role player, although you'd like him not to dent the rim as much as he does. Um, but Sam Presti does not seem to be in any hurry to fast track this thing. Uh, matter of fact, forget not like he's clearly not in any hurry. They went into this summer. Should he be? Should he be? Because I'm I'm wondering if they may need to hit the gas a little bit here. Well, and that's the thing. I get there, if you're going to say. I would have liked to seen them do something this summer to get, you know, a, another piece in there to help them really be as competitive as possible right now. Then the question is, well, you know, what would that move have been? And my answer is, well, that's why Sam Presti makes a bunch more <laughs> money than I do. The hell's it? Well, the thing about their offseason that was interesting was that they took themselves out of a lot of the yeah, game with on draft night with the Davis Bertans move, right? And and that uh, it was a total punt. And listen, they clearly like Casey Wallace. They moved up to ten to get him. I guess they felt like he might have gone at eleven. It seemed like an awfully steep price to take on a bad contract to move up two spots. The, um, you that, know what? Um, I don't have a problem with them. By the way, it just as an as an aside. They have so much draft capital. Like this happened two years ago when they paid three firsts, although yeah. those picks, you know, were protected and everything. They were quote unquote bad firsts, but they yeah. paid three firsts to get the eleventh pick in the draft, um, which they used on Osman Jang. Um, if they like a player and it costs them a little bit draft capital wise to move up, go ahead and do it. Because I think I think they sort of play by different rules, sure. because they're gonna they're all they're already out of roster spots, and eventually in a couple of years, like I don't even know where they're gonna fit all these players. So, as an aside, if they like if their if their evaluation system liked Case and Wallace, and they felt there was a eleven percent chance that somebody was gonna take him in front of them, because the the thing about trading up. If you know, because this happened the year before when the Knicks were looking to move out of that pick, right. um, um, with Dallas, Dallas was obviously looking to move out of that pick. So if if you got a guy on your board and they're the team in front of you is is very much selling the pick, it makes that a little bit unsettling. It's another thing if you know if That's if fair. you if you have a pretty good idea what the team in front of you is going to do. Um, so I don't have a problem with 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 them paying a premium to move up in the draft. Right, but to Go be ahead. clear, Sorry. the premium they paid was not in draft in draft picks. Right, that's right. right. This was in you know in, in taking the contract opportunity opportunity cost. Right, okay. which the other the other thing there is if you're sitting there in the thunder seat and you're saying okay, SGA's already paid, 
Giddy, when he comes up, is going to get paid. Jalen Williams is going to get paid. You hope Chet Holmgren is going to be the kind of player who's going to get paid. You know, maybe spending money, whether it would have been via trade for a long-term contract or, uh, you know, going into free agency, um, would have been counterproductive this year. I think they... I just think they look at themselves as one year away from being in that position, in part because they didn't have last year to evaluate what they would look like with Chet, right? And I, I think, you know, we've talked about the Thunder a lot for a lot of different reasons. You mentioned, Brian, their roster spot situation. We were texting about this the other day. Like, they're at 15 guaranteed contracts, and they've got Aaron Wiggins and Isaiah Joe, both as non-guaranteed guys. Isaiah Joe, I think we all agree, is all but certainly going to make the team. Aaron mm-hmm. Wiggins could make the team. So, I mean, there's guys like Alexei Pokachevsky, Poku. If Isaiah Joe, if like, let's say they had to wave Isaiah Joe, and I know we're talking about the Thunder's 15th roster spot on the podcast, our producers would pass out. (laughs) But like, I would, I think there'd be like five teams that would put in a waiver claim on him. A lot more than five. A lot more. A lot more. Yeah. They did it last year and it paid off for them. By the way, Poku, no one's going to be perfect as far as draft goes. The, the the Poku pick, when you look at what they gave up to get it, especially because now there's names attached to it, those picks ended up being Emmanuel Quickly and Jalen McDaniels. That's one where it's like, ugh, jeez. Yeah. It also helped them get Chris Chris Paul, and that, that worked out okay down the road too. So, I mean, it, it there's the stuff all works out. But I think, to me, the big one of the biggest questions in the league this year is going to be, what does Chet Holmgren look like? And to your point, McMahon, how does he fit with where they're going going forward? Because yeah. if he – I think he's got to be a power forward. I don't think you can really play him at center. I think he's a lot like Victor. You can maybe close some games with him at center, but I don't think he could start a lot of games or play him at heavy minutes at center a lot of games. And the other thing is, too, I'm curious to see if he is actually going to be a really good three-point shooter or if he's going to be right. something less than that. And if the answers to those two questions are – He's shooting 38 to 40% from three and he can play center. Well, then that opens up a ton of stuff. If he's shooting 33 to 35% and he's playing power forward, then you got to try to find a center that can shoot next to him. You got to find, you got to try to work some different things. And I, I would guess that's part of why they were a little patient this summer with what they did. Cause now they can go into this season. They could figure out what their best lineups are. They could figure out what they need and then next summer they've got 75 million in guaranteed salary in their books. They could have a ton of salary cap flexibility. They could go out and basically do whatever they want with their team again. And then you would think, all right, that if they don't do something big next summer, yeah. then you start to wonder, okay, like well, there is something big that there's something big they can do next summer. And that something big is to sign Shea Gilgis Alexander to a Supermax, which he's gonna have a great chance to be if he stays healthy this year to be eligible. Well, he he's still he wouldn't be able to sign it yet. It's still too early. He's he two years. He's off got four years. He got four years left on his contract. It's only in the second year of his. He's in going into his sixth season in the NBA. So still got to wait a little bit longer. Listen, but the, he'll be eligible for that soon enough, Brian. They can do a lot of something bigs. Yep. Like every time that we talk about superstar X, who might be available. Mm-hmm. Nobody's better positioned to make that kind of home run swing than the Thunder. Yep. And 
they've been, you know, they, they've been very patient and deliberate, and they've got this massive stockpile. And the shooting percentage on their first round picks, it's pretty damn high. And like, boy, if you look at that Paul George trade, are you kidding me? The haul that they got back for that. Yeah. You talk about just the 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 two things on the top, SGA and Jalen Williams, like wow. I mean it's pretty that, good. It, you know, so they are as well positioned as anybody with uh just the arsenal of picks that they have, as well as some of the intriguing young players. And like, hey, Bertans might end up being salary filler uh, in in some kind of a trade. But and then but then you get into, you know, I'll just throw out guys that we've talked about. Hey, if you're Oklahoma City, do you take a chance on Giannis if he's got one year left on his contract? I'll say this: if if Giannis really does want to win, I think he would be awfully well positioned. Now, assuming SGA is completely off the table in any kind of discussions, but like, tell me a duo. That would uh, put more fear in, in the NBA, you know, the, the NBA as a whole's heart than SGA and Giannis. Are you kidding me? Um, you know, do, do you take a swing at an Embiid? Or like, that would truly be amazing if if Giannis forced a trade to Oklahoma City. Well, I I mean, but. if you're just if you're just putting guys with players, I mean, the dream fit if you're just for just playing total fantasy GM is Embiid. I mean, pick and rolls yeah. with Shea. Shane and Bede popping would be pretty devastating. But before we get too far, I'll feel with that. The, the other thing I think to watch besides Chet is the fit with Shay and the guy you mentioned before, big man, Josh Giddy, who yeah. is a really intriguing young player, but not a not a great shooter. Needs really likes having the ball in his hands a lot, as does Shay. Those are both really primarily on ball guys. It's going to be very interesting to see what that fit looks like. It's also to me going to be interesting to see are they both going to start? Because yeah. Like if you start Chet at power forward, you're starting Jalen Williams. It's the other Jalen Williams at center. And the guy who is second or third in rookie of the year voting, you know, wing Jalen Williams, he's going to start. So you start to run out of spots pretty quick. Well, so, is, is Lou Dort starting? Well, you got Lou Dort too. Is he starting to come off the bench? Like they, they got six guys for five spots, which is a great problem to have. But th- this all goes back to the same thing. I think they're going to well, be really good this year and the, take the a step forward. The move there is to start Chet at center. Well, I mean that that is a possible move. Bontemps, you, you act like this is 1995, where it's Akeem one night and David Robinson the next, and oh crap, now we got to go east and then see Patrick Ewing and Brad Doherty, and like, dude, well, what are you worried about Chet having to defend? Well, I mean, let me just let me just pull up the standings. Jokic, uh, Jokic, yes, Stephen Adams, DeAndre Ayton. If if oh if Memphis wants to dump the ball down to Stephen Adams, well, I'm just I'm just okay. saying I think if if you're if you're playing Chet inside against legitimate centers, I think he's going to get beat around pretty good, and I think you're probably you could struggle there. I don't know, maybe well, he'll De- be great. De- DeAndre Ayton's going to pound on him with uh, 14 foot fadeaway turnarounds. Well, Jonas <laughs> Valanciunas would not be a fun matchup. Your old pal Rudy Gobert would not be a fun matchup. Okay, cool. Uh, what are, the, are, are those guys posting them up like uh, Valanciunas? Well, they want to think they want to feed Valanciunas with post ups and take. Jonas would love it. I, I think I just think I think it's a fair thing to question. Can he hold up for a year as a starting center in the league? I think that's a very fair question to ask. If if he can hold up as a starting center and that's what they do and it goes great, then that's a very significant thing and a positive thing in their direction. But like they do. They have a ton of talent. I'm as high on them as anybody. That's why we've talked about them so much. But they 
they do. Uh, I think this year for them, I think the reason they've paused in terms of really trying to make a big move now is I think 12 months from now or eight months from now, when they get to next June, I think we'll have a much better sense of how these pieces fit. And mm-hmm. then next summer to me is the time when you really try to make some moves to fit this team perfectly around Shea, who at that point, you know, is going to be going into his seventh year in the league is going to be a year away from being eligible for a super max to Brian's point. And mm-hmm. like, all right, it's time for this team to be really becoming a championship contending team and not just a, a bunch of young guys with potential that certainly looks like it could be that kind of group going forward. Yeah. And I mean, that's pretty clearly the route that Presti's going with this. Like it, this was not the summer that he was going to take his, uh, his big swings. And, you know, as far as the starting lineup goes, I do think there's a benefit to having a set starting lineup and continuity and all that kind of thing. But, you know, Mark LinkedIn Dagonald is one of these coaches who he ain't telling you to <laughs> lineup until he's got to turn the, turn the card in, you know? And so it wouldn't surprise me at all if their lineup is a, uh, you know, night to night off and matchup base type of thing. I mean, obviously totally. there's going to be, you know, we can pencil in three guys that'll be in there every every night if they're healthy. Well, and you could do that to massage some egos too if you're worried about people getting upset. Yeah, you know, it's only we talked about it with Golden State the other day in a d- totally different context. Like, if you want to try to do that, they have the ability to play a lot of different ways, and then you could do that and sort of try to make everybody happy. All right, the team. So I think the Thunder are a strong candidate to to crack that that top, no matter how they go. I would just say. Shea is ready to win now. Maybe the team's not ready to win. Shea is ready to win. I don't, that's not a hot take. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. All right. The team, you know, they technically did make the playoffs last year. And so this isn't exactly like, like a Kings, you know, situation. But the team that I want to talk about is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously last year, the Gobert acquisition did not work out. Carl Towns played 29 games, had the illness to start the year, and then the calf injury, which then had a setback. Um, he was barely on the floor. Uh, the Then they made a major midseason trade, uh, bringing in Mike Conley. Um, I think last year was an absolute, total, and complete mess. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not carrying it over. I'm certainly cognizant and aware of it. I don't think they're the same team basically at all coming into this season. Number one, I think Anthony Edwards is a year older, a year better, and I think is in a position in this league where he you know, he significantly can affect winning and losing. Uh, regardless of the fit with Carl Towns and Rudy Gobert, Carl Towns doesn't miss fifty games. They're going to be they're going to be better. Um, and I think having Mike Conley from training camp onward is a huge positive step. Um, I do question uh, what this team is going to do with their spending because this is a team that, with Glenn Taylor as the owner, has been at times reluctant to spend, um, been careful about spending. Uh, allegedly, Mark Laurie will be taking over, I believe, during this next season, where he has, I think, a window in December where he can buy the last tranche of the team. It's taking him years to buy the team. 
Um, I don't 100% know. And the reason I'm asking this is because they've got to sign Jaden McDaniels. So if you look at this team Mm -hmm. and what their roster, what their cost situation is, they're obviously into Gobert for a $200 million contract. They are into Carl Towns for a $200 million contract. They are into Anthony Edwards for a brand new, although I agree it hasn't started yet, $200 million contract. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me just they, say it this way. They're over next year's salary cap without Mike Conley under contract, so they don't have a point guard, and without an extension to McDaniels. That's right, as of so, right now. And so what do we think Jaden McDaniels, a 6'10", defensive ace who can do a little bit offensively, but is a monster defensively already one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. What, what is, who, by his the way, value shot 40, who shot 40% on uh three and a half, three attempts last year. He comes close to repeating that this year. I mean, that's what he's got. He's not signing an extension unless it's nine figures. Oh yeah. I was going right. to say, I don't, I don't think he signs an extension unless you're talking like one twenty over four. Right. So Cam Cam Johnson signed uh, four years, a hundred million. I think the guarantee is in the mid nineties. Yeah, I'd be um, I'd be shooting for the Tyler Hero deal if I was him. Yeah, four and, for one twenty at and, least. And, and, and deal signed last year, two years ago. Like, dude, cap going up. It's NBA inflation. You know, you you can't compare a player now to a guy who signed a couple of years ago. So here's one thing I just don't know the answer to. And I've, by the way, I've asked this question to a few people. I don't 100% know the answer. Who makes the decision on the Jaden McDaniels contract extension? Is it Glenn Taylor or is it Mark Lurie or is it Tim Connolly? And he's just like, well, we're going to sign it and I'll, I'll worry about paying for it later. I mean, and so that's why you hear rumblings about a possible trade here. And you hear like underwater or under the surface rumblings about what they're going to do with Carl Towns. And I don't think it's because they necessarily want to trade Carl Towns. I just think that the possible trade value for Rudy Gobert is low, lower than certainly what what they would want. And so like, and by the way, let's say you do sign Jaden McDaniels. Let's say you come to an agreement with him. Your franchise point guard that you have now is unsecured. I mean, you could certainly extend him, but I mean, Forget about a Conley extension discussion. What are you going to do with Jaden McDaniels? So I don't know if this roster is going to remain this quote-unquote stock through February. But let's just for the sake of this discussion say that mm-hmm. this, this roster, for the most part, uh, competes this season. And th- by the way, these financial challenges were one of the reasons why it was mildly surprising that they retained Nas Reed, who is an excellent big man off the bench for them to have. Uh, talk about uh, a third big. I mean, excellent player. They retained him. And then they signed Shake Milton, who I've had many discussions with um, with Bontemps over the years. I don't understand why Shake didn't play more in Philly. Mm-hmm. It seemed like every time I watched him play, he did well and scored. This is solid. He's a solid player. He's a very solid player. Uh, there were times when Philly had like, they felt like they had six players and shake wasn't getting the shake. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, it was funny. Um, a couple of times I was around team USA, uh, this summer, um, great opportunity to hang around guys in a low stress setting. 
before they started losing, you know, that three and a half weeks before they started losing every game. Uh, yes, until it became high stress. Yes. <laughs> right. You know, I heard guys talking. One of the things I definitely heard was guys talking about their contracts to each other. I had the opportunity to be around them when they were talking to each other in ways that media is not around them, talking to them about their contracts, you know, and about how they structured their contracts and, um, you know, definitely higher level uh, in-depth conversations for bus rides than you would normally think that you would have in the NBA. But anyway, um, the other thing is I heard Ant talking about Shake. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Ant likes Shake's game. So I don't know how much you're going to steer the court together. But um, anyway, uh, this team's talent level is not the talent level of a 42-win team. Now, the Western Conference is obviously very competitive. There's a lot of things that has to ha- have to happen, including health. Also, I think Chris Finch is one of the finest coaches in the league. Chris Finch is not a coach who I would say doesn't get the most out of his talent. Obviously last year it just didn't work out. His Chris Finch's Chris Finch swore to me that he believed in playing Carl Towns and uh, Rudy Gobert together in training well, camp when I visited them. And we also never really we that. also well we also never really saw it. Like I, I'm not saying it's going to work and obviously they didn't have a great year last year. But like you said, Towns played less than 30 games or he played 30 games or something like that's a pairing that's going to need some time to see what it can look like. And with they no never got to see it. Right. No preseason. OK, I like all the excuses. They're cute. Um, <laughs> and listen, I agree. Chris Am I Finch. making the same mistake that I've made like seven times over with the Timberwolves? Chris Finch, I agree, is one of the most creative coaches in the league, X's and O's wise. That's one of the re- things that we said last year as far as, hey. It seems like a funky fit. I, you know, if any coach is creative enough to figure it out, it would be him. Um, small sample size, blah, blah, blah. Their offensive rating with those two guys on the floor together, the greatest shooting big man of all time, and Rudy Gobert sharing the floor together was 106. And Rudy Gobert. Don't say, I thought you said in, in Rudy Gobert. And, and Rudy Gobert. And, yeah. And it's Texan for and. Um, <laughs> 106.2 fellers okay. <laughs> that is that would be the worst in the league for a team by more than two points per 100 possessions more than a full bucket per 100 which possession. is another reason why there's murmurings about what they're going to do about this if and it doesn't it, work again small sample size but not tiny 529 minutes they maybe oh, yeah i'm not maybe, to be clear it, i'm not saying this is going to work either I've, but I'm also like skeptical. You mentioned the investment in Nas Reed. Well, that would make a lot of sense if they're moving one of those big guys. And as you said, if they're moving one of those big guys, uh, the you know, the, just the simple value in the trade market would indicate that it would be cat. Now, on the flip well, the side, the problem that, is, is that if they consider that, they've they're going to have to dump some salary in that transaction because otherwise, it's you know, what are we doing? Well. Here's the thing. You trade him this year, you are dumping salary because his uh wait, I might be I might be mistaken on that. No, his, he is not he has not started it yet. Right. That's what I thought. I thought this was it, it being first. his super max extension, which exactly. is four years and over two hundred million dollars and starts a year yeah. from now. Next right. year is the year that the what the wolves have to have a salary issue. Right. Next so, year. So you're trading cat and and you can't afford to take back, you know, a, a ton of salary for the reasons that you laid out. So 
This year, Cat's number, as I go to look at it, is 36 million. That jumps to 49 next year. And at the end of that deal, it's 61. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not I'm not entirely sure for as talented a player as Carl Towns is. I'm not sure how much trade value he has with five years and two hundred and fifty million dollars on his contract, which is what he's got right now. I mean, that's I mean, it's it's one of many big questions they've got, and it's why they need to have a good year. Like it's a big year for them on a lot of fronts. I think it's kind of like what um, the Blazers might be dealing with a little bit with Lillard in the sense of, man, especially with this new CBA, like, boy. Taking a contract like that, you know, you gotta, you've got to have a very specific need on your team and a very specific fit for that to work and for you to want to take on that kind of money. It's just like the Dame thing because Carl is a very talented player with very specific skills and some very specific weaknesses mm-hmm. like Dame, and it's it can be tricky to manage around that. But all that being said, this year they have a lot of talent and – they're a much better team than they were at the start of last year with Mike Conley instead of D'Angelo Russell. I think we all agree on that. And as Brian said, Rudy Gobert was not really around all training camp last year. They should be all ready to go for training camp this time around. They, It's a big put up or shut up year for them. Like they jump up in the top four. They look really good. All right. Then we'll see where this thing goes from here. If they're struggling to make the playoffs again, they're in the play in something like that. They finish 11th, which wouldn't be insane with how deep the West is. Yeah. Then you're going to be going, well, we're already into the luxury tax to just try to have a semblance of a starting five. That ain't going to work in Minnesota. Like there's going to be some significant changes. So, you know, they, they, they for their sake, Brian, they're going to be hoping that you're right. Yeah. With none of your own draft capital, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is, is kindling to, to I was going to say, you guys right. know how, Bontemps and I feel about Anthony Edwards. And I think Jaden McDaniels is an excellent, excellent player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he was all defensive for me last year. He's I mean, they have it, they have all the pieces to be a really good and, team. And 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 Mike I, Conley is, just gotta find other ways for him to exit the court because you can't have him going through that tunnel. <laughs> yeah, we gotta check on that hand at uh, trading camp next week. Uh Mike Conley's just a winner. Yeah. Right. He's a winner. So there's a lot on this on this uh table here that points in one direction. And I don't I don't wanna spend too much time focusing on worrying about their salary cap in a year, but you know, that's gotta be well, a part of the It's a huge, team. it's a, just a huge year for them. Like they gotta have they have to be the kind of team you're talking about. Like for where they're at and the kind of money they're spending well, and, and where like everything Sa- like Sacramento, they never have been. Like they've had little flashes, more than Zach, but they've had little flashes and haven't had. I'm going to double check this right now, but I believe in the entire history of their franchise, they have won play a playoff series in exactly one season. I'm going to check right now yeah. to make sure. I think they, that they is made the Western. They made the Western Conference Finals one year. I think that they, was with Kevin Garnett. That's right. They've won two playoff series ever. That was in 2004 when Kevin Garnett got them to the Western Conference Finals. And Sam up until, Cassell, Latrell Sprewell. Those and up until the last couple, up until the last couple of years, they hadn't made the playoffs ever when Kevin Garnett wasn't on the team in their entire they, existence. They they need Ant to do a whole lot of them Sam Cassell dances this year, baby. And he might too. Like it, it's a we talked about Tyrese Halliburton earlier. We spent a lot of time this summer talking about Ant. Like he could take a huge jump. We could be talking about him as a, you know, if the Wolves are 
second or third in the West this year, which I think is possible on the high end, then Ant's going to be right there in the MVP discussion. Like, because he's going to be, you would certainly think if they're that good or in the top four, it's going to be because he's the one driving it along. MVP discussion. Was Darren Fox in the MVP discussion last year? Well, I would say I would say Anthony Edwards will come into the season with more cachet and be seen as a higher ceiling guy than De'Aaron Fox. Also, he had Fox as a bonus, both sort of drafting off each other for that because they were sort of a 1A and 1B. I don't think there's a 1B. Oh, oh, we just talked about Cat with the Supermax contract and he ain't hey, one I, I'm just, do you, do you think Cat's going to get MVP votes? I do not. I well, do. that's my, I think Cat's a really good player, but I don't think he's going to get MVP votes. Do you, do you think Cat would consider him to be not even 1B material? That's an interesting, interesting. Well, I think the Wolves will be happy regardless if. They're having anybody get MVP votes. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you know, Ant uh, Ant just got a mural in uh, Atlanta. Oh, looked like quite a party. I saw some. I saw some of the the pictures and videos from that. He he looked like he was having a great time. Once you reach mural status, buddy. Hey, he's got a signature shoe too. Adidas uh, saw a signature shoe online this week. Uh, you know, not not particularly suited to my taste, but I don't believe I'm a target demographic. I have no idea when, like, sometimes I see shoes get announced and people are like, that's fire. And I'm like, oh, okay. And other times I see shoes get announced. And I'm like, oh, okay. And they're like, oh my God, that's trash. And I'm like, oh, I'm in big trouble because they both look the same to me. <laughs> so I have no idea what stuff. Well, here's what I know I know that if I'm not saying if I was a kid today, I'm saying if I was. 1995 me mm -hmm. i would be a fan of anthony edwards no oh, he's fun as hell to watch play you get no me? that and that's what i know yeah he's got all the makings of you know big time superstar uh type of dude no no doubt about it i know that if you know i don't know if i would have been savvy enough to pick out the shoe but i would have I, by the way, this just tells you, and people can make fun of me if they want on this. One of my favorite shoes I ever saw was Gilbert Arenas' shoe with Adidas. I thought his shoes were sweet. <laughs> Circa 2004. Five. You know what's, what's great? All the shoes like that I wore growing up, you still wear them. Like the classic Jordans, the Chucks, like the you know Adidas Gazelles and stuff. Like they're they're timeless. So I, I still get to wear the same type of shoes I wore as a kid. Air Monarchs. I, I've never no no no. Wendy, I could I, I think you're an Air Monarch type. I've never put a pair of Air Monarchs on my feet. I don't want to say never will. How dare you? How are. dare you accuse me of owning Air Monarchs? How dare you? Uh, you take that I, back. You, you might have some of those uh Skechers. You, you like, take that back. You're like Snoop Dogg. You sold out and went with Skechers. Right now, <laughs> right now I'm wearing uh, Roger Federer's on shoes at this very moment. Right All now, right. there's slippers that are probably in need of being replaced and have a bunch of the fur worn out on them, but they're comfy. Sure, they smell great. I 
we had Ulm on like last week and just like, you know, I can't yeah. help but look into that back wall. And so, you know, you know Ohm's thing last season was he never wore the same pair of shoes to two games. Yep. So Ohm has. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on. Like Ohm so, would wear a pair of shoes. Yeah. Brian's not on Instagram. He doesn't need, he, he's on Instagram, but isn't on it. So he doesn't know. This. Ohm I know. Wear, wears, you know, a pair of kicks, do his little court side, you know, take a pic, picture of his kicks, post it on Instagram. I don't know how many games Ohm covered last year, but he never wore the same pair of kicks twice. So did he like, I know I, I obviously could just have asked him this. Is he writing like a, a post-it note? Like, oh, yeah. I'm oh, tell, um, I'm, uh, I'm November tell 17th. Uh, I can't tell, where were those. No, he, game, he game 73 kicks, season one finale. Game yeah. 73 kicks, NBA Finals, game five edition. Air so, Jordan 11 so, retro low, quote, closing ceremony, end quote. Made it through an entire season using a different pair of kicks every game. Brother. Most definitely to be continued next season, with likely enough to fill the entire season of more kicks I wear this season or the second or third pair of some shoes I have. I haven't even bust out many of my Air Max kicks. And it goes on well, from there. This is the question I have. And again, I wish I was on with him. <laughs> uh, well, you can ask him next void. time he's on the pot. When he says, like, you know, so he's got, he has, he wears 73 different pairs of shoes. Mm-hmm. Does he have the exact same duplicates of shoes that he's wearing twice? No, no, it's no. A different... no. No, no. He wears like, 73 different colorways. Yeah. I mean, like he might, there might be some of the same models. Like he might have worn a few, you know, a few different, like just for example. It, I don't think LeBron's doing that. But I mean, he, I'm sure he's wearing 73 different actual pairs, but I don't think LeBron's. In fact, no. LeBron played like 52 games last year. Oh, more, more shoes last year than LeBron did. Yeah, That's but LeBron has right? to wear LeBron has to wear the new LeBrons pretty much every single game. Where Owen's got, you know, I don't believe. I like, you know, he can. That's true. I agree. Of course, he's almost. I agree with you. I'm just saying, all more significantly more different pairs of shoes than LeBron James. Oh, probably is, has Ohm a million is pairs. PJ Tucker of the ESPN NBA Reporter Group. I think he's just the PJ Tucker of the NBA Reporter Group. Period. I think you can go beyond our group. I'm, I yeah. don't think anybody's keeping up with him. Might be some who try, but nobody's going to Ohm's likes. Yeah, Ohm's definitely got some PJ Tucker in him. Sounds like a pod yeah. topic for you down the road, Brian. I guess I'm just so ignorant of all of it. I'd make a fool of myself. I probably made a fool of myself three. I just meant. I just meant. Next time you have Oman, you can ask him, and he'll tell you all of this. Is what I meant. I'm still so telling, no, I like telling it, you about it. I like it better when he's not here because I like like my <laughs> sense of awe. Like I just I can't compute. I can't compute it. All right. We're okay. Get a shoe deal. I'm telling you, we get a shoe deal, Wendy. Fire, not fire. Fire, just, not fire. I just don't know. Um, I, they made me put on those off whites for that one. If you want to see something <laughs> ridiculous, if you Google, is That's this fire? In, fire or not fire? <laughs> if you Google, is this fire in my name? We did a little segment like five years ago. Please this. Google it and go watch it. It is amazing. It's a, a couple minutes of your time. It's well worth it. It's unbelievable video. Yeah. Also, there was we did another thing one time where I was in, where I went shopping with Kyle Kuzma and he tried to pretend like he wasn't clowning on me every th- three seconds. Like he he like went over the top 
to not like like he was like um he's like uh you know uh this movie swingers the the fangs and the claws like he could have eviscerated me 13 times a minute but he was like treating me like a child like it's okay it's okay more hoop collective podcast after this okay let's pivot do we think any teams mcmahon i'll start with you since out of the, out of out of the uh, dallas mavericks vein do we think anybody's going full maverick in 23 24 going from what we thought was a guaranteed playoff team to sitting at home by the second week of april well i would say that the mavericks better have a boomerang on that thing or there's going to be some serious problems but that's not what you asked me um i would as the the team that I would be most concerned about that is also another team that I happen to spend a whole lot of time around. And we'll, now this is the team I thought we were going to talk about. Yep, I'm going to see these folks uh, at media day for the next few days afterwards. I mean, look, there's a lot that's gone on in Memphis, and very much of it has not been good. Uh, you're not going to have John Morant for at least 25 games, hopefully only 25 games. You know, We'll see how that plays out. And you could say, hey, look at the Grizzlies record without John Moran over the last few years. And I'd say, yeah. And the primary reason for that success now is wearing a Washington Wizards uniform in Tyus Jones. And look, we all have a ton of respect for Marcus Smart, a man who managed to graduate from a high school that I got kicked out of. So uh, no, no question that this guy is a uh, you know, high character individual. Which one? I only got kicked out of one. And technically, okay. I withdrew, but the writing was on the wall. <laughs> he resigned. He was <laughs> yeah. not fired. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was one of those type of deals. Um, but, like, Marcus Smart is not the organized, run your team, you know, run the system kind of point guard that Tyus Jones was, which is one of the big reasons that they had so much success without John Morant. Uh, now, clearly, Marcus Smart is a – an elite defender. I mean, hey, former defense, recent former defense player of the year. But in that sense, he has to replace Dylan Brooks. So there's a lot on him. You're asking him to replace two of the most important players on the Grizzlies over the last few years. And then this team's not going to have jaw for at least 25 games. I, and I, I just think that, or I, I would be concerned that there is kind of a cumulative toll to all the drama and all the nonsense that's swirling around Jaw on this team. Honestly, how could there not be? So, you know, you you look in the in you know the especially like the top six in each conference, and I would say that certainly they are the most in jeopardy of that kind of a fall. I'm going to push back pretty strongly on Marcus. Uh, if you go back and look at the Celtics the past few years, their offense has been at its best when Marcus has been running the point for them and moving the ball around. He was their best passer. When he was out there, their offense would be in pretty good sync and pretty good rhythm. I think he's going to be just fine running their offense. He's always been, I think, a pretty underrated distributor and point guard. I think, to your point, having to take on the load of also being Tyus Jones and Dylan Brooks, I think could be a lot. They've also got a pretty talented team. They're going to have a chip on their shoulder to, to make up to to make up for John not being there. And it's the first third of the season. Like I I think we all expect him to be back 
when that suspension is over. Maybe he won't be. I think to, I think the better argument for them having a fall is just, is there a wear and tear effect from everything that's gone on the past couple of years? And does that just sort of catch up with them all at once? Um, Listen, I think you are underestimating how good of a run your team run the show. Point oh, I think Tyus is really good. Like Marcus Smart is, is, you know, he's solid as, as, a, as a point guard. He's a kind of a combo guard who can play point. Tyus Jones leads the league in turnover to, or assisted turnover yeah. rate on an annual basis. No, Tyus, I think Tyus Marcus is really Smart good. Don't not. get me wrong. Well, I think Tyus is really good. It's no slight on him. I just, I just think Marcus is also underrated as a point guard. And I think mm-hmm. he has been for a long time. And certainly if you ask Marcus, Marcus will tell you, he thinks he's, well, he, he won that job. Time. It took him years. Yes. But eventually he did win that job and they were very good with him in that job. Uh, here's the one thing that I would say about the Grizzlies. Where's Desmond Bain at health wise? I mean, he gave a interview. Um, he did a charity event about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, and he wasn't cleared for contact yet. I'm not saying that wasn't on schedule. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that, um, you know, he had a significant, he had a foot surgery. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying he's not going to be ready or anything, but like he's, he probably had the majority of the summary where he wasn't able to, to be himself. So, you know, like, it's not a big deal if he's not a hundred percent day one, he doesn't have to be hundred percent day one, but you know, they're going to need him, especially to score. And so I do have a question about where he's going to be physically for that time when Ja is out. Well, and and he they, may be totally fine. I'm just asking. Yeah, and they need Bain who, you know, he, to his credit, Desmond Bain has gotten significantly better each season. Um, and last year, despite playing most of the season with that toe injury, missing uh, a month or so and then coming back, you know, he was – he had uh, basically a, a – 21.5 point per game. And I mean, we're talking about 48, 41, uh, 88 shooting splits. Uh, but they need him to take a, a, another leap. You know, they're also, they're not going to have Brandon Clark for at least a large, large chunk of the season. Yeah. Uh, that really was a blow to them last season. It, it kind of got lost in all the uh, other stuff, but that was a significant loss to them last season. Do we know uh, if they have Steven Adams either? I believe he is going to be good to go at the start of camp, but we will see. You know, obviously they thought they were going to get him back last year and then the, it just okay. never got right. That's another concern. You know, I, I don't know, especially for the first 25. I, I am assuming, and I don't know this for certain, but I am assuming – when and if Jaws back, that they'll probably start three guards with with Marcus Smart uh, in the lineup next to John Bain. Um, I don't know how they're the, how they're going to fill the uh, starting three spot in the uh, in the meantime. Um, maybe it's Luke Kennard who and say, hey, with Kennard and Bain, we're just going to be one of the best shooting teams, or have, at least have one of the best shooting tandems in the league and then have by the way real quick uh taylor jenkins gave an interview with him last week to nba.com where he said he thought Stephen Adams would be ready to go for the start of training camp yeah i mean that doesn't necessarily mean he's a-okay i'm just just wanted to add that yeah and then they need some of these other uh 
young players to come along. Like, you know, David Roddy showed some things last year. It'd be really nice if he could establish himself as a, you know, legitimate quality rotation player. Zaire Williams. What's should- David Roddy's nickname? I forget. Big body Roddy. Yeah, I, I, it's, a good, go. it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Zaire Williams showed a lot of things as a rookie. And then last year was just kind of a lost season for him. You know, we'll see. Like I said, there's there's still there's definitely some talent on this team. Uh, I would still describe Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. as ascending star type of talents. There's, it's, I just think that they are uh, in 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 danger of taking a downturn. Yeah, there's a lot of you just listed off a lot of stuff, right? I mean, there's a lot of there's certainly ample reason to wonder. I just think it's less about the ties. I just was saying about Marcus because I think he's a little underrated. I think certainly between Steven Adams injury questions, Brandon Clark injury questions, mm-hmm. no jaw, you know, they Dylan Brooks for his fault is a really good perimeter defender. They got a lot of questions with one of those. Can you, any of those young guys step up and play heavy minutes at the three? Like there's a lot of stuff there for them to answer. And the as we've talked about a bunch, the West is really tough. Yeah, I will say, they had quite a few things happen to them last year. Nothing of this magnitude. They had a lot of difficult situations thrown at them, and they won 51 games and had the two seed. Yeah. So um, it's not necessarily apples to apples, but they had. You know, you mentioned their record without job before, but this team has shown a level of resilience, um, and it's not like they're going to be surprised that they're going to be out with, without John ja Morant. They have known and can able to plan it. I looked at their schedule trying to judge like what it might look like. I didn't really come away with any like like they don't have like a nine game road trip or anything like that or something that they'd have to survive without them. Yeah. Um, and you know, the other thing though, you know, especially with Marcus Smart being there, is it's like they're gonna have training camp going into those first 25 games of the season, and then it's gonna be this massive adjustment, basically one third of the way into the season. You know, especially for Marcus Smart, where he's going to be going front, and he'll still, I would assume, you know, get time at point guard, whatever it is, 14, 16 minutes at point guard a game when Jaws not on the floor, but he's going to have to like completely adapt to the guy who everything's going to revolve around being dropped in on the roster a third of the way into the season. I can't remember. Is Jaw allowed to practice with them? No. Yeah, he's not he's not allowed to be uh, allowed to do anything. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see if there's any kind of uh leeway given by the NBA, but he's not allowed to play in preseason games, none of that stuff. Now that I know. Like, can he work out I, with them right now? There's I mean, I think he I think he technically can right now because nobody's technically supposed to be doing stuff right now. I think huh. but I that's I'm talking I'm <laughs> I was talking I was talking to an agent this week. I'm talking out like, of school on that though, because I don't know for yeah, sure. Okay. I was talking to an agent this week and he was saying, um, yeah, um, this team has already had like pretty much full practices for like uh, two yeah. weeks now. And his client was um, you know what I'm not even gonna say. <laughs> I mean, look, it's not the NCAA. They're allowed, they can do whatever they want. But I, I heard, you know, there's some teams that are, have been full, fully, pretty much fully practicing 
for a while now. You know, I honestly, the practice thing, I, I would need to get some clarification. I'm looking at the, I was just looking it up too. Yeah. He, before he returns to play and will be ineligible to participate in any public league or team activities, including preseason thought. games during the course of his right. suspension. Public, but not private. Yeah. I so. wonder, I wonder, I mean, this is what, these are some of the things that you can ask the Grizzlies um, right. next week, McMahon, you know, like, yeah, I mean, is he going to be practicing? I mean, maybe he can practice for the next two months. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think I remember this being a discussion point on when the when the edict came down, and it was like, do you really want to leave Ja out in the cold? You yeah. Know, you, you, this is when you kind of want to have him w- with the team, like togetherness. As structure as possible, for sure. Uh, I guess we'll get those answers. I I seem to remember that there was maybe some where there wasn't clarity on this back when it came down in uh, late June. So, um, okay. Uh, Bontemps, do you have a team? Yeah, I, I was debating trying to be really splashy and go with Phoenix or the Lakers or somebody and okay. stir a lot of things up. Yes, please go with the Lakers. Yes. No, We're going to re- retrofit no, this podcast. I'm not, and put it out no, front. no, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, it, you know, those teams obviously have injury questions, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. He, he I'm gonna, gonna go with the go team. Lakers. No, he was gonna go Lakers, and then then they signed Christian Wood. Oh, then it was all, then it was all <laughs> off. I couldn't do it then. I uh, I'm gonna go with the team we started all this with. I'm gonna go with the Sacramento Kings. I I hope I'm wrong because I love their fans, and they had such an awesome season last year. They also had a very charmed season last year. They had basically they nobody very get healthy. hurt. Yeah, they had nobody healthy. get hurt all year. I mean, obviously, Demonis Sabonis played through the thumb thing, but he's able to play. De'Aaron Fox had a career year, particularly shooting the ball, shot like six points better from two-point range than he ever has, shot like almost 60% on twos. Not sure he's going to be able to do that again. They're pretty thin across the board. If either he or Sabonis misses any time, they're in a lot of trouble. And also just the West is really deep and really good. And if they, if you ask me to put odds on, are they going to repeat what they did last year and be in the top four again? Or are they going to finish ninth to 11th? I think it's a lot more likely they finish ninth to 11th than if they finish in the top four. Um, but I do genuinely hope I'm wrong on that because they're they're an awesome story last year and super fun to watch. And I loved how they attacked the series against the Warriors and kept sticking to their guns and playing the way they wanted to. We talked to Mike Brown about that on our podcast with them during the finals. Um, I just think there's going to be a bit of a reality check with the group they've got. And, you know, some of the stuff that went so well for them last year is probably going to revert back a little bit. Tell you what, between us trying to bench Chris Paul and you bouncing uh, mm-hmm. Mike Brown's kid, we're never going <laughs> to get Nobody's going to come back. <laughs> we're never getting a guest on this pod again, I can guarantee you. <laughs> you know, the other thing with the Kings is they were a bad defensive team last year. They yes. Were, like, they were bad. They, were, they ranked 24th. In the league, and I'm going to tell you the teams that rank below them, and you can tell me what these teams all had in common. Mavericks, Pacers, Pistons, Trailblazers, Rockets, Spurs. You know what they all had in common? Didn't make the playoffs. They were Cancun, and by the time the, the play-in came around, not just didn't make the playoffs, didn't make the play-in. True. So it's hard to win when you're a bad defensive team. Now, look, the Kings did it because – they were an elite, like a historically elite offensive team. They were they had the best clutch player, the the Cajones factor, Jerry West player of the year, whatever the hell that thing's called. Um 
But yeah, it's it's a tough way to go about business if you don't get stops. And that, by the way, that stuff tends to not carry mm-hmm. over year to year. There tends to be regression to the mean on that front too. And you know, we haven't oh. had the Jerry West Award in the past. Maybe De'Aaron will have another incredible year and win it again this year if he plays in like he did last year. But over over time, that stuff does tend to balance out. And if it bounces out at all, the Kings are going to lose some more games. When do you? I get feel it? like this is like I feel like uh, this is low key slander. On Demata Sabonis. No, you know what just happened though. He said regression of the mean. He heard you had uh, Pelton on in, in our place. <laughs> He's a nerd too. <laughs> Go on with Sabonis. We've never had Sabonis slander on this pod before. You. <laughs> <laughs> he got his big extension. Um, I actually believe the Kings are going to. Uh, you guys' points are um, are very fair, and uh, there is something weird about clutch play that mm-hmm. it doesn't tend to carry over team wide um and De'Aaron Fox could still be awesome and make the all NBA team this year and still not be as good in the clutch just because there's some variance to that level of play Mm -hmm. having said that I I actually believe in the Kings because I gave 15 different reasons why I was skeptical about them and then they looked really good against the Warriors when the pressure Mm -hmm. came on and even though that was disappointing I think that they will build from that um, I also just know, you know, because I know Mike Brown and I know Jordy Fernandez, their coaching staff, uh, those guys, I think on a personal level who, I don't think they BS. I think they believe that there's, there's more, there's more there. They don't think that they hit their full stride. You could they see just, that. You could hear that just hearing Mike on our, even on our pod a couple months yeah. ago. I mean, he clearly believes in it. And I, what I will say is without young, their group is. Yeah. You look at a lot of these other teams, Golden State, Phoenix, the Lakers, the Clippers, like those teams probably have more high-end talent than the Kings. But if again, the Kings were very healthy last year. Maybe they won't be as healthy this year. But if you were going down the list and betting, are the Kings going to be healthier than all these different teams? They got a good chance to have these guys be out there. And if they are out there on a regular basis, then that will be a big advantage for them. And, well, look, you're, you're, you're strong you know, point that you could make the Kings won 48 games. The Lakers won 43. That was the difference between the the three seed and the seven seed was, you know, five games. So like, let's just say De'Aaron Fox is good in the clutch, not over the top. Great. Best player in the league. Like it's not, you're not saying they're going to, they're going to win 17 games. Like, no, I mean, no. I, but no. I, and the West I, is really good. There's yeah, of, I mean, I, I think Sack could could have just as good of a season and have the sixth seed. I mean, it's not, but I, I actually think there's more there. They, I was one of the people that was rolling my eyes at Spears. I mean, I assume they would be better, but they genuinely impressed me. When I was looking for reasons not to believe in them, they kept giving me reasons to believe in them. Well, and people in Sacramento probably are screaming, hey, you don't think Keegan Murray's going to take a steps forward in the second season? Like he had a very good rookie season, yep. and yeah. if if he takes a leap, like for sure, I could. You know, a lot of these things we're talking about could come into play, and if he takes well, a here's leap, the thing: Monty back. McNair had a chance to improve this roster, and mm-hmm. basically said we're gonna reinvest in what we have. Right, and if the Kings aren't as good this year, it it, it that'll that'll happen, but. 
the people who run that organization believe they've got something there. And those guys are not without talent. So, and I thought uh, about saying the Nets, but I, I just think th- well, that that's the team. Too, that's the team yeah. I'm going to say. That's the yeah. team I'm going to say. I'm going to say this about the Nets. I like where the Nets are going. I was, you know, at, at times, you know, if you listen to this pod, disgusted with the way the Nets handled their business over the last couple of years. The trades that they made for Durant and Kyrie were excellent trades in terms of what they were dealing with and what they were able to accomplish. Yeah. They are in position to um, uh, get better. And I think Mikhail Bridges is a potential all-NBA player. Um, yeah. I think he's good enough. I think he's already one of the league's set five to seven best defensive players. And I think he's got enough in there offensively where he can be such a two-way force that he can make the All-NBA team. Having said that, I think they were 13 and 17 after the trade last year. I was just going to, I was just going to say that that was why I didn't pick them because I, they were a bad team after the trade and they're more or less the same team again. And I, it's just hard to, I'm not, it'd be hard to expect them to be in the top eight as of now, despite the fact that they finished sixth. And, you know, the thing with the whole super team that didn't pan out, like, dude, you would sign the KD, Kyrie, even with the uh, dude who was sleeping on their couch, uh, the seven-footer sleeping on the couch. <laughs> you, you would do that again in a heartbeat. And you know what? They're not worse off for doing it because of the haul that they did get for KD. Um you know, because of a, especially given the the, you know, the clear red flags that diminished his value in the trade market, they got a pretty good return for Kyrie. They the the draft capital with the twenty twenty nine unprotected pick with all the picks, uh, twenty twenty nine for the Mavericks, all the picks from the Suns. The the one that that really has it just killed the Nets is the Harden deal. The Harden deal, getting him from Houston. Yeah. I mean, I am guilty of when I, I don't even consider Ben Simmons. Well, like, yeah. I, I don't like when I look at them, I don't even consider him because how can I, I, I don't even know. Like, oh, until we see him, yeah, no. And the Harden like, deal, they gave up all that draft capital and then they got stuck with this albatross of a contract. And that's what he is right now. And Ben Simmons, he's an albatross of a contract. Hey, look, I, I mean, I we talked about it when Spears wrote that story about him uh, a few weeks ago and went down to Miami and talked to him. I mean, I hope we see Ben Simmons out there playing well again. He was always a guy I really enjoyed watching play. He's a really unique player in a lot of ways and was really fun to watch. I hope we get to see that guy again. But until we see him out there on a consistent basis playing at that level, you just can't. You have to assume he's going to be what he was last year, which is a pretty bad NBA player yeah. when he's available, which wasn't very often. It, it would shock nobody if the Nets made some deals this season that were about two or three years down the road. It would shock yeah. nobody. To if that tra- to that point, to that point, the Nets have almost nothing on their on their books for the twenty five twenty six season, two years from now. That's now right. I think that they will try to extend Mikael Bridges. Um, he is already signed for that year, but he's at a very good number for that year, twenty four million. I just want to point something out real quick about the way they structured Cam Johnson's contract, it's a quasi-descending contract. We often see teams that are not super worried about in immediate cap space do this. Yeah. But Cam Johnson's contract 
goes down two years and then goes back up mm-hmm. in 25 in the after 25 26 like it it starts i'll just give you the numbers it starts at 25 6 then it goes to 23 6 then it goes to 21 5 in that 25 26 window and then it goes back up now why would they do that Ooh. why would they do that Oh, no, hold on. Well, you got to get both the hands. Come on. Man. Because I think. Uh-uh. Don't give a half. I also, th- I also think it's interesting that there's been some rumblings about them possibly willing to m- move on Dorian Finney-Smith, who's potentially yeah. under contract for that year. And would have value in the trade market. Like, I think you can get a pick there. There's 15 different, 35 different roster decisions they have to make between now and then. But that Cam Johnson contract structure is the tell that mm-hmm. the Nets want to maximize cap space in 25-26 when we have some possible free agents, including Giannis. Now, mm-hmm. Giannis may have had his future already settled by that. He may resign in Milwaukee. I'm just saying, of all the transactions and everything that come that came through this summer, that didn't get a lot of attention, and I just thought that was interesting the way they structured that contract which was to maximize the the maneuverability in that year and you know by 25 26 i think mikhail bridges could be an all-nba player that with where the cap is going to be having mikhail bridges at 24 9 could end up being humongous even if he's extended by them they could have the money to sign donovan mitchell and Giannis in a in a in that sort of world if they wanted to. I mean, they'll well, definitely have the flexibility to do to, to do a lot of stuff, potentially. The other thing about McCall Bridges is he is the kind of player that other stars would be eager to play with, mm-hmm. right? Because, he, totally. I mean, he's showing what he can do offensively. Like He was a good offense player in Phoenix. In Brooklyn, he's had a chance to really kind of be, you know, on a stage, ball in his hand, that sort of thing. He's showing his capabilities there. But you know, you're talking about one of, if not the best defensive wing in the NBA and a guy who's has, has also proven that he can play without the ball and still impact games. That He's the exact kind of guy another star would want to play with. And the reason their their cap gets much cleaner after from that year is that Ben Simmons comes off. Mm-hmm. So they could make a Ben Simmons move with their draft capital and take on money. And then all of a sudden that doesn't happen. I'm not saying that like they're married to that timeline, but it's worth keeping an eye on as they make moves over this next year. So Look, until Giannis's future is decided, all this stuff is worth keeping an eye on. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, okay. Thank you for uh, talking about this. Um, pretty soon we're going to have real, lot of stuff to talk about. I think we're uh, just sort of entertaining ourselves at this point. Um, although I seem to be getting aggregated more than ever. All right. Uh, thank you to Jackson, our producer. Thank you to McMahon. Thank you to Bon Temps. Thank you to Soup Collective Podcast, and we'll talk to you in a few days. Adios, amigos. Adios, amigos.